Hello, everyone. Welcome to Choices Finding Your Joy. And I am full of joy today. We are having the great experience of having Linda Nargali with us today. She's a, a published author of the book, Mystical Intimacy, and, and so much more. And I, I so loved your book. Linda. First off, I want to say welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I've been really looking forward to meeting with you again. I just love our time together and that we're doing a show together just thrills me. I just, I'm just so grateful that, that we've been connected. And now I can share you with all of my awesome audience. I love it. Well, tell us a bit about yourself, Linda, and what brought you to where you at, you're at today? Well, Mystical Intimacy is a book that's co-written with Spirit. So there's passages that are channeled, in fact, Spirit, um, whom I call, who have named themselves Mass India, they're a group of seven spirits. They re refer to themselves in the plural, and their name is Mass India. Well, when they asked me to write this book, um, they provided messages for each of the chapters. My journey started long before that, but let me just start there. Just because you mentioned the book and the book is, uh, it's my love and my pride. I, I put so much commitment to it. And there is even a chapter called Spiritual Commitment, which is living life without a roadmap and embracing the unknown on so many levels with heart, with presence. Mm -hmm. And that's why we resonate so much because we're coming from that, that, that twin, that, that um, deep sense of resonance around just uh, loving what is loving life. Yes. And, and my life didn't start out that way. My life started out in a very innocent little empathic being in a, quite a tumultuous upbringing, tumultuous uh, parents that were pretty unconscious, like, like many of us, like many of us. Mm -hmm. But it turned out to be quite traumatic with abuse and with the, my parents separating and getting back together and separating. There's a lot of turmoil and also my mother's death, which I write about in the book. And that was an adventure writing about that. I, I even mentioned this in the book that I started off by writing about my past like a book report. Mm -hmm. And I only wrote about it because Spirit asked me to and I am so devoted to Spirit. I'm so devoted not to guidance as a, uh, as a follower and they're the only ones that have authority. No, I come into it in partnership. So when my partner, Spirit, asks me to share about my childhood, I just, well, I just went about going, okay, I can do that, not realizing what, what it would entail, what it would bring up. Yes. And we don't, we don't break through anything by keeping a safe distance from it. And when I realized, and it was a friend that read chapter two and said, Linda, you're keeping a safe distance from this. You, you, I, I hear your story. I can't feel it. And I knew then what Massendia was asking from me was to not only share my past, not only share some of the things that occurred. They wanted me to open, to partner them as an open, fully open vessel. So that when you, the reader, when you read the passages of the book, you're, 
you're not just reading a message, you're not reading a, a, a doctrine or a teaching or an idea or concept. You're, you're yourself are welcomed in that openness. Yeah. And I realize that this has been a big part of my life for a long time. I was about 20 when I made a commitment to God. And I had gone through, um, again, a tumultuous upbringing that led to a tumultuous adolescence that led to um, abusive relationship and drug use until I came out from under that and started looking at my life. And, and who, who am I? Yes. And that it was then that it started to be so important to be a clear vessel for God. And I didn't, I, I didn't really know what that meant except that it was so important to me. And that's when I started art school. I went to art college and I learned through art to surrender. That was huge for me. So when, Mass, when I asked Mass and Dean initially, well, uh, how did this happen? How did this channeling happen exactly? And they said that I had opened myself through, through my art because my art, Painting, to me, art is about getting out of the way, letting the art emerge. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's it in a nutshell. I think it just go on and go on and go on. <laughs> that's it. So the, the art kind of opened you up, and then everything started coming through with the channeling. And I mean, it's, it's amazing what a gift that is. Mm. And, and I, I'm very blessed. I've been able to experience Linda's channeling. And that is a beautiful gift for us. Mm, thank you. And your book. Your book is just so many things. All, all through the book, it's like, oh my gosh. And, and it really does sink in and make you think. I, I have to read one of my favorite uh, messages in here from you. But so many of you are afraid of making mistakes, of being wrong. Oh, wait, that's another one. <laughs> There's so many. I've marked a million of them. I love everything. Uh, oh, no. And then I just lost it. There's so many. Well, I guess that's not what we're going to talk about. Then let's pick this one. <laughs> Power is not about coercing or forcing others to do what you want them to do. Power is love, compassion, trust, and growth. It is the essence of a seed rooting itself. Yes, that's the one I was looking for. I love that. That is beautiful. What are your thoughts on that, Linda? I was about to ask you that. Like what, when you say you love that, what does that elicit in you? Like, oh, you know what I think is, well, I've always believed love is the, is the greatest power. It's the greatest power. But this made me think of what roots we plant when we love and when we express our love and when we love others and animals, the planet, we are planting something. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. Oh, so the cold. 
I love that word. That new, that new idea of like what, what we, our presence, our energy, yes, energy around us, and, and in that we're literally depositing that yeah. frequency into the world, into for it to grow. Yes, yes, and I've always thought of it as just sending out a big hug <laughs> and energy, but yeah, depositing that and rooting that and really you know what that makes me think of when we root something out of love that's gonna grow way beyond us yes way beyond us oh thank you for saying that and thank you for receiving that from the book you know what i what i love most about the book is in talking about love, because love plays a role throughout all chapters, Massadia leaves the best until the last chapter, you know, and the best, you know, in terms of they, they speaking directly about love in the last chapter, but throughout it, they keep bringing that back. And for them, love is devotion. But it's not what so many of us, when we think of love, we think of kindness, we think of compassion, we, we think, I think for many people, love can be tolerance. Uh, yes. And when we're in a state of tolerance, what are we planting? If the tolerance is, uh, it, it comes from our deep sense of resonance. Maybe we're tolerating a situation we can't change. Mm -hmm. so how can we best operate in that situation in a way that we remain true to ourselves? Then we're planting um, our, our faith. We're going to work through this. We're going to make it through this. But if we're tolerating abuse, bad habits, our own and other people, worry, mm -hmm. um, and, and if, if we're even tolerating spiritual doctrines that we're trying to adapt and accommodate to that don't resonate, we're living out of resonance, that's what we're planting. So for me, being a clear channel for God, being a clear conduit for the divine is all about being true to myself. And the clients that I work with in my healing practice, that's, that's, they come to see me for that. They want to be real. They want to be true to themselves. And oftentimes they've lost touch with that. Mm -hmm. And most, most of the people that work with me are, are empaths or sensitive in some way. Or they're seeking that yes. and they don't realize that in so many situations they're they're accommodating energies and many sensitive peoples will get the impression that to love is is to accommodate it's to tolerate it's it's to almost like take this false sense of responsibility towards other people's needs mm -hmm. And one of the things that I talk about in my book that even Massing Dia approach, uh, approaches is tough love. Loving, it's loving to say no. It's loving to send, to, to, to have boundaries, to set boundaries. And what, I, what I love the most about what I've worked on here is that it, it, it informed me. My book informed me. It woken me to me. I would write things and go, Really? It wasn't even just Mass India's message. It was the way I interacted with it. Opened me and opened me. Yes. 
open me to one very simple principle that everything needs love everything the boundary needs love our overcompensating needs love our, our fear needs love anger needs love. um rejection abandonment all the facets that make us deliciously and beautifully human pain needs love and what i understand from mass india that love is spaciousness it's being developing an ability to be extremely comfortable with discomfort at ease with upheaval because often on the spiritual path many people seek perfection they they, they want to be above it all yes this this non-human superhuman <laughs> and to me it's that that is an impossible um measuring stick that's an impossible that's possibility so then we're always failing that which yeah. feels terrible and if we could lower that and bring instead of reaching towards the divine bring the divine into this flesh and bone and body yes oh i love that because if we're always reaching and struggling then we're always feeling we're not good enough yeah. we're not doing good enough right mm -hmm. oh, bring the divine in i love that linda mm. and it reminds me i Keeping drawn to my book here, there's, I read a passage, I read something to you last time. And I'd love to go back to that. Of course, if I didn't save the page, I didn't think of reading this to you. Or is it here? Give me one second. You got it. <laughs> there, 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 it's coming. Oh. It's, it's a poem I wrote. And each chapter starts with a poem. And I, I did that because Poems are subjective. They're an invitation to feel. And they're such, they're, they're an, a magical realm to be with. And I thought, oh, what a better way to start each chapter with a little bit of magic. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it's like every chapter, it's, okay, what's going to be in the next chapter? I can't wait. <laughs> oh, we're not. I love hearing that. <laughs> Like, oh, I, I'm someone that bought the book and the, the, I saw her, um, I, I think it was a month later. She had it, almost all of it dog-eared. Yeah, was, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, that is, that says so much, Linda. And, oh. and it's so awesome because every person that reads this is going to take away different feelings and, and different thoughts about what you share with them. Mm. Mm. Well, I wrote the book for the reader. I had the reader in mind. So I remember with even the, the chapter two where I share about my childhood and I channeled my inner child for it. So like what better way for me to get really in touch with my childhood than to connect with my inner child. Yeah. But she came through and she was, mad at Mass India and she said, why? Why do you want me to talk about my childhood? I don't want to. And, and there was this banter, like this, this dialogue back and forth between my inner child and Mass India. 
Um, and I, I, there's a friend that held a space for me because I couldn't just do that through writing or for myself. I needed that container. But what came of it is Mass India said, by sharing your past and the knowledge that you've gained from it and the deep healing that has occurred, you'll be gifting that to the world. You'll be helping others in their own journey. Yes. And the whole chapter informed me that the inner child is wise. It's not only wounded and scared, it is wise. No. It knows so much more than we allow it to. We were taught as children that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And yet there was a lot going on as children that didn't make sense. Patterns of our parents, a lot of it didn't make sense to that beautiful, innocent wisdom. And I'm reaching towards that innocence when in this poem. I say here, my love for you, my love for you as eyes of fire that pierce through the dark, reaching from the heavens to illuminate the way, my love. My love is inexhaustible, a blessing from the night to appease the storm and shelter you from the wind and the cold. My love for you is eyes of fire that see through the dark. My love, my love, you are beautiful even as you pull away from me. You are beautiful even as you pull away from me, afraid of the light, afraid of me seeing My love, my love, there is no armor that can hold me afar. I come to you bearing gifts and the certainty that you are my joy, no matter how ashamed. Oh, my sweet darling, there is no darkness in you. I cannot imagine whole and healed. I think that's the, the most sublime gift of love. And it's, it's seeing someone whole. Yes. Even when they've forgotten. See ourselves as whole even when we have forgotten. Yeah. Because we, we tend to focus on what we feel we're not yeah. and not good enough or not complete. Mm-hmm. Yes. In my training and the counseling, I was so fortunate. I worked with an incredible mentor. His name is Mahmoud Nesman, and he teaches trust-oriented. Well, he, he supervises, doesn't teach it anymore, but he does trust-oriented therapy. And his whole premise was that we are whole and resourceful being. Everyone I work with is whole and resourceful, and they come to me thinking they're broken. They come to me in shame. I had one client, oh, the first 20 minutes of her sessions she spent apologizing for being angry. And she would say, I'm so sorry. I know this is not very spiritual. I'm feeling so bitter. And then she would get into the bitter and then she would shame herself for feeling bitter. And I just sat there aware reflecting aware and inviting her to 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 i wanted first to not to reassure her that all of this was welcomed 
but she couldn't receive that reassurance because she was so, um, so how can I say, um, involved in that perception, mm-hmm. so involved in that, so engaged in that. Yes. It took some weaving, <laughs> a little bit of unweaving of that for her to start being more gentle with herself, you know, to start, like, oh, it's okay that I feel this way. Well, it's okay because you are feeling this way. And then she'd be back to you, harboring, you know, shame around the resentment. It's like, we are beautifully human. Yes. The resentment is natural. Of course you're feeling that because of what was going on. Of course you're feeling because what you really yearn for is this other thing. Yes. And that's, that came to me a little while ago. It's like, wow, we can be so focused on a limited pattern and then trying to work our way out of that limited pattern, trying to get rid of it, that you know, we don't realize that we're actually fighting with that reality. We're struggling, like what you were saying earlier. And now we're partnering with that. That which we're struggling with becomes our primary life partner. Yes. And I ask myself often, it's like, is this really what you want to be partnering with? No. What do you want to be partnering? What, what engagement in life, what perception do you really want to partner with in life? And I have to ask myself that question regularly because I do the same thing. I'll spiral in, you know, uh, this idea that I'm not good enough. And, you know, what, you know, it's like I, when I wrote, I finished the book and published it, I told somebody, it's like, it should be somebody else that wrote the book. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? Well, somebody that's more, I don't know, marketing savvy or somebody that's more like this and somebody that's more like that. And then I stopped. And I'm listening to myself. Oh, but I wrote the book. And my friend said, yeah, you're the one that wrote it. Oh, I think I need to own that, don't I? <laughs> Me too. So easily, I could be so easily on, it's like when I paint, I could be so easily on to like, okay, next painting, hit, hit, stop. I say to myself, stop. Yes. I just completed. I mean, mm-hmm. When we get caught up in those, those patterns, those habits, we can free ourselves. It may not be easy, but it can be done. Yes. Yes. And Mass India would have us do that. That's in the book. He would have us do that by feeling everything more feeling our body sensations more, being aware of our thoughts more, feeling our emotions more, so that we can arrive fully in this moment. It's all, it's, it's in, under the same premise of living in the now, of, of, of can, being connected to our, our vortex or, or loving what is. It's like the same context. What I've done in this book is I've humanized it. I just want to talk about what it's like as a woman, as a man. I I give examples of different people that I know of what it feels like to work through these incredibly 
higher vibrational spiritual concepts? How can we digest them? How can we integrate them into our lives? And then our lives are changed. I mean, what that opens up, it is beautiful. Oh, Linda, I just, I just can't tell you how much I, I love this book and what you shared. And I would love you to, if you could, please share with everyone where they can get a copy of your book or work with you. Oh, I would love that. I'd love that. Um, you can get a copy of the book from Amazon.com or Amazon.ca. Probably best to just come to my website and you can click right on the link. And my website is lindanardelli.com. I love it. Um, um, my healing services, I do something that I call body soul integration. And it's a form of, of integrative counseling with the channeling, with hypnotherapy and energy healing. And when I say all that, it's a mouthful. I think I'm crazy to integrate this, except that when I first started my practice, I did integrative body work. So massage, like counseling on the table. And then I, I did counseling on its own. And, I, and then the channeling came in the first year of my practice. Um, it, 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 I wasn't even fully complete with my, my, my studies. And so my, my energy just opened up. And so I started doing that separately yes. and I felt spread out all over the place. And I was also doing my art and I was, I started writing this book and I'm like, what's going on here? You know? And so I brought them together because to me, many channelers use channeling as a, as a, a reading. Mm -hmm. it's, a, a, it's, it's more like a psychic reading and I, I'm not drawn to that. My channel open with within the counseling field, I love therapy. I love process-oriented, somatic, body-centered therapy. Because that means that you get to process and connect with your own knowing, not just sit in a passive role listening. Yes. So I channel for people. But it's the channeling is more about helping them connect with themselves. Yeah. And then start to tap into their own wisdom so a lot of people their channels open they be they they're they're um clairsentient or clairaudient clear visual abilities expand like it's just it's really fun to see linda thank you for all you do for so many thank you ah. for having me here thank you love hugs and blessings and to everyone out there love hugs and blessings bye Are you looking to open the beautiful door to the beautiful modality of Reiki, a hands-on energy healing modality? Radio host, Reiki master, speaker, and published author, Paula Vale would be honored to assist you in your Reiki training. For details, go to wellnessinspired.com. You may also contact Paula at paula at wellnessinspired.com to schedule your training.